Hi everybody, it's been a while since I recorded a podcast and uh, I'm not going to go into why, I don't want, it would be too much of a downer. So I'm going to talk about something relatively fun. So, it's about Italy. There are two Italys, there have always been two Italys. There have been, there's Bigot Italy, and there's, if you love us, we love you, and all of a sudden you're family, and hey, now that you're family, you're family. You're Italian. That's Italy number one. Oh, you're, I I love you. You love me. You're not my brother. You're now Italian. I've adopted you. A lot of European uh, attitudes are like that, but Italy is like the biggest one in that, in terms of that, right? And to a degree, this is also why uh, the mafia, or mafia, the mafia, uh, had a lot of problems because they tried to say, well, we only like purebreds. What the fuck is a purebred? No such thing as a purebred Italian. Get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. You know what I mean? That's why that's why that type of mafia fell apart. Right? Took took a couple decades, more or less fell apart. Still exists in some places, but I mean it's kind of like the clan still exists in some places. <laughs> They're all just organized crime. Right? So you got the Italy that says, You love me, I love you. I adopt you. You are now Italian. Come, let's go eat Italian things. Let's go do Italian things. They say, what's an Italian thing? Hey, we'll go for some bowling in a movie. They say, aren't those American things? Hey, we're Italian. We do them through Italian things. We adopt them. That's what Italy's about. And uh, then you have, you know, the bigots. It's not Italian. You're not Italian. You got dark skin. You're not Italian. They can go fuck off. And I just want to say this. It's been true throughout history. Specifically with Italians. That when you go out, you reach out to adopt people. You make your family bigger. You survive. That's what the Roman Empire was all about. Sure, Roman had an army. But what can an army do? An army can only kill. It can't grow. Armies don't grow. Yeah, they, they don't grow at all. Armies kill. They invade, they kill. And if there's no growth, they die. Diplomacy is what happens after the army. Every single instance. Diplomacy is what happens after. You have to grow what you go in there and wipe out, right? You got to grow to replace what you wipe out. So the Roman Empire, which survived for how many centuries? Yeah. It, it marched its armies in and said, okay, okay, okay. We've got a big show of force. 
You are a tiny village. You've got lots of people. We want to establish roads. We want to establish aqueducts. We want to establish food that's being traded from one village to another. We establish this road. It means that people can travel along the road and there will be guardhouses along the road. And we can't pr promise everybody total safety, but uh, you know how it's like when you're on a dirt road and all of a sudden you can't move your cart and then a couple bandits come along and they cut you down, maybe stab your wife, rape your daughter, all that sort of shit. Yeah, we're going to try to sort of stop that for the most part. And uh, uh, then you can get food and goods more reliably from reliably from the uh, guy down the uh, in the next village. Oh yes, yes, quite. I like I like that man's that young man's pottery. He's much better than the potter over here. Oh, what's that? Hey, you know he puts little naked people on his property. You just I'm pottery. You just have like a, I don't know a bunch of dicks and whatever. That just are malformed. Well, that's true. Yeah, the other potter's a little bit better. Maybe I could start copying his pottery when I see some more of it. Yes, yes. And then we will have plenty of naked people and properly formed dicks on all of our proper pottery. pottery. Yay! And the Roman Empire's like, okay, okay, okay. So you want porn? Yes, we're Romans! Uh, we didn't quite conquer you yet. That's okay, we're Romans, we love you, we're not Romans, we're into porn. Alright then. You sound a bit Australian. Alright then, I'm Roman. Alright, we're all Romans, we've decided. Bring your water, your clean water with a lot of lead in it. We'll go crazy, we'll have lots of sexy orgies with this sexy pottery. And uh, we will travel safely on the roads, mostly, for the most part. No guarantees, though. The Roman Empire is like, all right, you're all Romans. All right, next to the uh, now we go on to the next village. Maybe the next village is like, we don't like your naked pottery because we have better naked pottery over here. Uh, the Roman soldiers are like, <laughs> you're French, okay, uh, just surrender, you know. Don't make this hard on us. We don't want to bury your corpses. Yeah, so Romans would fight a little. They'd get people who'd convert a little. That sort of thing. And, and that's basically how the Roman Empire expanded. Okay, maybe I emphasized the naked pottery bit a little bit too much. But that's basically how the Roman Empire expanded. They'd march in with their soldiers... People would know that the soldiers were bringing roads with them. They were bringing water with them. They were bringing trade with them. They were bringing food, goods, everything. They were establishing things. The roads that they would bring were relatively straight. Now, a lot of people don't uh, don't a lot of people don't get that, right? Roman roads are some of the straightest ancient roads in history. They would literally move up mountains. It's not a figurative saying. They would burrow through a mountain 
or they would move the mountain. If it was small enough, they would demolish it. Just uh, 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 tactical landslides, moving the dirt, getting rid of it. They'd build bridges over waters instead of go, going all the way up and around to find a, a, a closer path or whatever. They would just build a stable stone bridge. They would clear forests. They would clear them several feet beyond the road so that people would have a clear, you know, it wouldn't be like a tree five feet away from your arm. They'd build it, they'd wipe out some of the uh, undergrowth and stuff so people or animals or whatever wouldn't be right there and the merchants or travelers could actually see on either end and have a little bit of a warning before they're attacked, right? You know, the aqueducts, some of them had a bunch of lead in it. Some of them didn't. Because they didn't really understand what lead was. And so they brought fresh water. Some of it made people crazy. Some of it didn't. They would establish wells and aqueducts from the wells. Um, not all the time. A lot of time, though. They established irrigation. You know, there, there's still people um, in the so-called Midwest that don't really use irrigation. Uh, th there's a funny story about uh, a farmer, um, conversation mom had with a farmer a couple decades ago, who, who said, well, how do you get rain if, it does, if the rain clouds don't form all the time? I don't think it's farmable land. And mom said, well, we've got, we've got the river here. We use irrigation. He said, what? Because you know, there's a lot of farmland in the Midwest that literally is only dependent on rainwater. So uh, the Romans created an empire through diplomacy and uh, trade. That's why the Roman Empire, you know, the Imperial Roman culture is so f different depending on where you go. And there are so many different, there were so many different cultures in Rome before it fell that's difficult to say what things were or really easy to say where certain groups lived in the city. Everybody knows where the Jewish people lived for centuries. You know? And these Jewish people were also protected during World War II. Roman, Rome has the largest longest-lasting Jewish settlement in recorded history. And Rome, Jewish Romans, and a number of biblical scholars have often argued about whether or not Rome was the Jewish promised land or if Palestine was. You know, there, there was this. There's still in the uh, a debate in some aspects of the Jewish community. That doesn't mean that Israel shouldn't exist. I don't want to make it sound like I'm advocating for any sort of dissolution of any of any Jewish state. Um, and maybe uh, you know one group is you know maybe the group that says, well, Rome is like the real Jewish promised land. Maybe they're wrong. You know, uh, I'm just saying that. 
that argument has been debated because it is an unbroken Jewish settlement, at longest Jewish settlement in recorded history. Unbroken. Uh, I, I use the word settlement, but is it really a settlement? They're, they're, they did. It's not like a colony. It's Jewish people in Rome, in Italy. I want to call them a settlement. I would call them, I mean, that's like the technical term, you know, from anthropological standpoint. But I would just say they are Italians. They are Jewish Italians. They've been there for forever. As long as anybody knows. And uh, depending on what, on which archaeologist you talk to or which anthropologist you talk to, there were, uh, there was a Jewish tribe there during the Seventh Kingdom era. Uh, but there's not much recorded history to go off of, and I think that may be inaccurate. But uh, you know, I may be wrong. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of there was a lot of trade during the ancient era. You know, uh, Santorini was home to Jewish gold and silver, or I say Jewish, it's really Hebrew, right? We're talking Hebrew era here, Santorini. So, you know, when was the term, when is the term Jewish more appropriate than the term Hebrew, right? Because Christians came from Judaism. They didn't come directly from Hebrew. You know, Jesus was a Jew. And same thing with uh, the Hebrew tribes developing into uh, Islamic faith, right? So they call it, you know, the Abrahamic uh, religions, you know, descendants of of Abraham, sons and daughters of Abraham. Depending on who you talk to, some people say, well, that refers only to Islam, that refers only to Jews, that refers only to Christians. It refers to everybody. All right? Anybody who comes from that line has ancestry to claim. And so what did you have during the time of pharaohs? Well, you had merchant lords, Hebrew merchant lords in Egypt. And you had Mycenaean merchant lords who were Hebrew. You had Santorini merchant lords, trades lords, who were Hebrew. And those men and women were have also been found on the shores of Italy, the shores of Sicily. And so, how did those groups expand? How did Italy expand? Well, seven kingdoms, they said, hey, let's kind of join up here. Of course, some kings wanted to conquer the other kings. And then you have the story of Romulus and Remus, right? Sad story. And uh, if, it, if it is true, or however much of it was true, but uh, what you do have is Italy developing a sense of, well, we need to adopt our cousins, our friends, our neighbors. And uh, look, we've got some traders coming from Africa. We're just going to go ahead and adopt them and build settlements on Africa. 
because that's where we can get some great meat and animals and stuff. And now we're still communicating with the Greeks. We're going to conquer them, make them our slaves, and then when they get their freedom, we're just going to say they're Italians and they're not Greeks. <laughs> and we're also going to take some of the Greek stuff, too. Uh, <laughs> so Italians were like, eh, that's not Italian. Cultural appropriation, right? That's not Italian. And a Greek says, no, it's Greek. What makes you say it's Greek? And the Greek man says, because I'm Greek. And then the Italian says, no, nah, you're not Greek. You're Italian. That's your culture. It's all Italian. <laughs> it's basically how the Italians ran cultural appropriation, right? They appropriated the people and the culture and then said, eh, it's all Italian. <laughs> and of course, when the Italians start, stop doing that, it starts saying, you're not Italian, you're just a slave, and you will always be a slave. That's when we had King Alric, who fair, had, had the, the Caesar, or Kaiser, or Kaiser, however you want to pronounce it, held up the bargain with the Visigoths and remained a type one Italian, the Roman Empire never would have fallen the Visigothic king, King Elric, taught his people Latin because he believed that he would be the Caesar of the North. I mean, they already had a Caesar of the West and a Caesar of the East. He believed that he would be the Caesar of the North. And he believed his people, who were Rome's army, were providing great service to Rome and would be recognized for it. And they had been promised that. Because Italian type number one said, you're German. You're like family. Germain means family, means related. You're Germain to us. Italians gave Germans the name German. It means it's Germain. It means family. They said, you're Germain to us. And then this asshole bigot gets in charge as Caesar. And he says, yeah, you're filthy Northman. He totally forgot that the Visigoths were, made up his entire army. The sacking of Rome, it was sacked by the Visigoths, right? So where was Rome's army? They were the Visigoths. And you know how much they stole? They stole enough to pay for their back wages. That's what they stole. They didn't stole steal, or the vast majority of what they stole was bas were basic coinage. Money. That's what they stole. The, the precious treasures of their friends and neighbors, of people that they lived with for years, they left the vast majority of those precious treasures alone. And for the longest time, historians couldn't figure out, why the fuck did people sack Rome and not steal the treasures? And then some genius, you know, eventually figured out, well, wait a second, where the hell was Rome's army? And they start going down the ledgers. And they realized the names, names of almost everybody in Rome's army, uh, you know, except for like the very close guard of Caesar, they were all Visigothic names. And the army hadn't been, and then he looked on the ledgers for the army. And none of the Visigothic uh, soldiers working in Rome's army had been paid in months. And then it all made sense. You had a bigot as a Caesar who chose not to pay the foreigners. And the foreigners who were working as their personal guard 
turned around and said, okay, bank's open. We're taking our money. That was the beginning of the end of Rome. So, beginning of Rome, you're all Italian. I, you're Greek. You're Greek? Yeah, you're Greek. Okay, you're my slave. You're my slave for five years. Greek said, then what happens after that? You're no longer Greek. You're Italian. Okay, what do I have to do as a slave? It's just basic housework stuff. We're not going to really whip you or anything. Okay. So that's a little bit better deal for slavery than most people get. All right, I'm in. Then after five years, hey, hey, the Greek man is dead. Look at me. I'm now Italian. Yeah, look at my religion. It was Greek religion. Yeah, it's not Greek anymore. What do you mean it's not Greek anymore? Yeah, you're, you're no longer Greek. You're worshiping some other god, right? Okay, you're Italian. Italian worshiping Italian god. Okay, all right. We're all Italian. Gods are Italian. Our culture is now Italian. <laughs> That's how the Italian Empire, Roman Empire, expanded. And, uh, you know, Rome falls because of a bunch of bigots. You wind up with French invading Italy. You wind up with Spain invading Italy. Italy becomes a state, you know, a bunch of Italians that say, eh, well, family's where the heart goes. A bunch of Italians leave Italy. Because we're, we're all Romans, right? Romans got to explore. Romans got to move. Romans got to spread out. A bunch of Italians come over to the U.S. They start adopting new ways of making food. A lot of Italians in Italy say, oh, this doesn't explain it. We used to have garlic bread on the table all the time. Then a bunch of us left, and now we don't have garlic bread on the table. It was like a peasant thing. Yeah, all the peasants left, and then the peasants came over to America. They became rich. And they kept the practice of garlic on the table. And of course, the Italians who want to expand say, bigger's better. So in Italy, they have little tiny meatballs. They expand, they come to America and say, bigger is better. They get bigger meatballs. Bigger plates of pasta, bigger things of lasagna, more ingredients for lasagna. So Italians back in Italy are like, wow, what the fuck happened? This is like American stuff. And Italians who live in America, who came, whose family came from Italy, they say, nah, it's Italian because we're Italian. We make it, so we call it Italian. And Italians in Italy are just starting to, you know, sort of get back into the flow of the Roman way of thinking. That's the Roman way of thinking, right? You adopt someone in your family, they're suddenly Roman. They're Italian, right? So, I just want to say, I made this to communicate with all my Italian friends out there. Italian friends from Italy. People who I don't know who are from Italy who could be my Italian friends because they're in Italy and they could, they're Italian. And I want to be friends. Be like Italian number one. Keep traditional di dishes alive, but also adopt new dishes. I mean, Rome, nothing in Rome is traditionally Rome. Nothing. Nothing. It came from all over the fucking place. We just call it Roman because the Italians adopted it. And when people objected, saying, you're stealing our culture, say, no, we aren't because you're Italian. It's your culture. So it's now Italian culture. Like the weirdest form of cultural appropriation probably the most successful form of cultural appropriation. You know, we do that here in America too. 
People call America the new Rome, but I don't think they understand what they're actually saying. America's the new Rome because we adopt people. Give us your weak, you're tired, you're hungry, you're downtrodden, you're huddling masses, right? You're now American. It's like the most Italian fucking thing I've ever heard of. Right? As long as America keeps adopting new things and people, we're all American. You know what I mean? America's also got to treat people right. America's got to treat its family right. You know, and the funny thing is, the funny thing is, the Japanese, and going on World War II, I'm just making this a long-ass podcast, right? Japanese in World War II, Germans in World War II, right? They were all like, even the Russians in World War II, they're all like, pure blood is the way to go, right? Like the Japanese, when they attacked America, they said, listen, America's got a lot of race problems over there. But Japan is one united race. America isn't. So we're going to attack. And they're going to counterattack, but they're going to try to use black men and women as, as soldiers and whatever. You know, the brown people. They're going to use brown people as soldiers. And they're going to fight with each other. They're going to have a civil war. That's how we're going to beat America. That was legitimately the plan. Uh, one of the ideas, one of the military theories, and one of the prevailing military theories presented by uh, uh, and adopted by a number of members of Japan's war cabinet during that period. Tojo believed that was true. And he believed it was true because it would cost America way too much to travel across the sea to fight the Japanese. But what he forgot was that America, for all of its problems in the 1940s and the 1930s, every single American, whether they're black, whether they were Mexican, whether they were Spanish, whether they were uh, Japanese, whether they were Chinese, whether they were, you know, whatever, they all considered, most of them, most of the vast majority of them, considered them to be, themselves to be American first. Now, there is the America's First Party, which tried to say, America first before everyone else. And that party is actually a really bigoted pro-Nazi party. Lindbergh was part of that party, right? Thank God Lindbergh renounced them. But he took a war for Lindbergh to realize what that party was about. And see, that America's First Party confuses people because they say, America first. They use words that don't actually have any meaning. So America is everybody. America is the huddled masses. America is a black man, a black woman, Asian man, Asian woman, Hispanic man, Hispanic woman, Puerto Rican, uh, Mexican, uh, uh, you know, uh, Indian, I mean, East Indian, you know, American Indian. Right? That's what America really is, despite what all the bigots and all the terrible things that happen in America make people believe, there's still a lot more positive forces. The positive forces are still ahead of the game in America. It's an ongoing battle. 
It's an ongoing battle. America's not perfect. It's an ongoing battle. But we are always taking steps forward. We are not where we were 30 years ago. We are definitely not where we were 60 years ago. And certainly not where we were 80 or 100 years ago. That means that despite all the terrible shit that goes on, we're still moving toward what America really is. And that's the same thing that Rome was doing for centuries. We adopt you. you. We like you. You like us. We adopt you. You are now uh, Roman. Your beliefs are Roman. You're Roman. Everybody's Roman. America. Oh, yeah. We used, uh, used your ancestors as slaves. Really sorry about that, man. Really sorry about that. Uh, I gotta tell you though, I really like the restaurant you got here, and I'm glad that, uh, you're a huge fucking success here. This is a real American story, isn't it? Yeah, man. Yeah, it is. And this, what was this, Creole? That's French. And, and, uh, I've got some, uh, Spanish spices in there too. Wow. So it's a collect, you know, fusion Creole, Creole fusion here. That's American. There's no other place will you find that fusion. And it is, you know, there. I don't, as I've lectured many times before, the true use of the word appropriation is where you take something from someone else and you debase that other person and you throw them out or you kill them. That's what the Nazis did. The Nazis did what I consider to be actual appropriation. The Russians did actual appropriation, right? Especially during the Cold War. Shakespeare was really Russian. It's our culture, not yours. That's really appropriation. So even though I, I misused the term appropriation earlier, where I said it's kind of a weird thing of appropriation, right? It's really called adoption. So Rome would walk in and say, we adopt you now as you were Greek and we adopt you as Italian. We adopt your culture. Your culture is now Italian. You, you are now Italian. Everything is now Italian. We adopt you. We take care of you. You are now family. That's what America's doing too. We're adopting people. And the thing is, you can't really, you, you know, you could always say, well, okay, so this is truly American because they adopted us. We adopted this. We, everybody's adopting. Everybody's sharing. This is the culture where it came from, but now it's, now it's truly American culture. You know, so don't let, you know, that's the only way for a country to grow. And I'm begging everybody in Italy, all my Italian, all the Italian people out there who may or may not hear this, begging all of you. To all my Italians, remember, this is this is a quote from my great grandma. Uh, mom, uh, mom wanted to get some um, a cookie recipe from her, and my great grandma called her nanny. Not no, no, not you know, all, all, those were different. We called her nanny. Not sure why. I can't find any translation for nanny. Maybe it was a dialect thing. But 
She's called it Tommy Nanny, right? Anutsu. So, uh, she made these, these cookies. They were great cookies. She said, oh, they're Italian Christmas cookies. Mom looked it up. Found out they were totally Greek. Nothing Italian about it. They came from the Greek Isles. But it's something that my great-grandma and her family have been baking since before she came over. You know, when she was a little girl. Her family was baking these cookies. And what my, my great-grandma said, I make them, I'm Italian, they're Italian cookies. <laughs> that's, that's the Italian way. So to all my Italians out there. You eat my food. It's Italian. I'm, I'm serving you. You treat me like family. You're not family. You're Italian. I've adopted you. End of story. This is now your home. Come back to visit. <laughs> I know I'm putting on a, a goofy ass accent. Uh, I, can't, I can't really talk the way some of my uh, Italian cousins talk. But uh, essentially that's, that's, the, uh, that's the attitude, right? That's the attitude. It's the attitude a lot of uh, Americans have too. Right? In fact, Americans like to go out there and adopt entire countries. We like to adopt entire countries. We go to Ireland. Yeah, I'm Irish too. What do you mean you're Irish? Yeah, my family came over like uh, six generations ago. They were all Irish. So I'm Irish too. "You're, You're American. Yeah, you're not really Irish. We're Irish. Yeah, but we're family, so yeah, we're all Irish. Is just one step away from saying, and since we're all Irish, that means you're all American. <laughs> I'm just warning everybody out there. That's the way Americans think. It's a very Roman way of thinking. I mean, we're not marching our soldiers in, but we are exchanging culture. I mean, just look at what Bill Gates said. He went over to Ireland and said, you know, I'm going to upgrade Ireland. Ireland's like, what do you mean upgrade us? So, yeah, depositing Microsoft right in the middle of Dublin. Calling it Dublin, Dublin ME edition, right? Millennium edition. Dublin ME. Well, wait, wait. Yeah, aren't you supposed to do that like America? Yeah, but you're like America. You're Irish. So, Americans are Irish, and that means you're very much like Irish Americans. So, uh... He was just one sentence away from saying, you're all Americans. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. That was my kitten. Told me to stop. So, we adopt cultures. We don't appropriate them. We adopt the people. We don't steal the cultures away from them. We say, you can keep your culture. You can, uh, you're just now, you know, part of ours group, too. So, we all have the same culture now. It's not quite appropriation now, is it? It's more like adoption. We love this. We're going to adopt it. So, be like uh, Roman type ones. Type ones are, we adopt you. We adopt your culture. You are now one of us. It is now our culture. You are now, uh, you are now part of us. You are now us. Now let's go find some other, some other person who can be uh, another us. Right? Kind of like a, a good version of the Borg. 
And Borg try to force you to adopt their culture. Nah, nah, nah. We adopt your culture. Your distinctiveness has become part of our own. We will argue. We are not really, you know, like one mind. We are many minds. Culture is now ours, and our culture is now yours. We now have a shared culture. We now are a shared people. We are now family. So, I love you all. You're all Italian, by the way. If you're listening to this podcast, I've adopted you. Tough shit. Don't care if you don't like that. You're not Italian. Oh, and uh, you may or may not be American. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think America has gone quite to the point of forcing people to be part of the family. But uh, I'm just going to say you're like an outlying American. If you're not, you know, living in America, you, you, you're still American. So uh, you're Italian. You're American. And uh, I love your culture is now mine. And my culture is now yours. So now let's have a good day. And uh, enjoy everything. Yeah, and and uh, you don't have to celebrate Fourth of July, but it's fireworks and ice cream. Who doesn't like that? Know what I mean? Take care. Bye.